Welcome to this edition of Community Associations Institute's podcast. My name is Tony Campisi, and I'm Executive Director of Community Associations Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley chapter. In this episode, we'll be talking pot, that is the legal kind, medical marijuana. It's becoming legal in more and more states, and in some, so is recreational marijuana. Community associations have long dealt with the issue of cigarette and other types of smoking, but does medical marijuana require new ways of thinking for community association managers and elected leaders? We'll find out in this podcast where my guest is Scott Reidenbach, Esquire. Scott is the founding principal of Reidenbach & Associates, a law firm based in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Scott and his firm concentrate in the areas of condominium and community association law, construction litigation, real estate, and related areas. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Tony. Our members, as you know, are concentrated in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, and probably most of the listeners of this podcast as well. So I think the best place to start here is what are the current laws regarding medical marijuana in those three states? So most people think that the medical marijuana laws and its permission is mostly a West Coast thing, but that's, as we know, it's not true, Tony. It's, it's right here in, in the Delaware Valley. Pennsylvania was the, the last of the three states to uh, legalize medical uh, cannabis or medical marijuana. And the, the law in Pennsylvania was signed by Governor Wolf on April 17 of 2016, just over one year ago. New Jersey, their law went into effect. It was signed in 2010. And Delaware has a law as well for medical marijuana signed in 2011. So now the entire tri-state area, if you will, has medical marijuana laws on on the books. You presented a session at our annual conference and expo earlier this year on this topic, and you presented some interesting statistics about medical cannabis across the country. Can you review some of that information, including the most interesting number, I think, which is the polling on Americans' attitudes regarding uh, medical marijuana? Yeah, that's a great question, Tony. And that that was a little surprising to the audience, I, I thought, at the expo, is that you know, 30 years ago or, or even 40 years ago, the the public sentiment was very strongly opposed to marijuana. And, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm 46. You know, I grew up in the 70s and I, you know, I grew up in a time where, you know, at least in my household, marijuana was bad. You, you didn't you didn't smoke it. You didn't you didn't talk about it. You didn't do it. And here, here's what is happening. Most people, even listeners, think that medical marijuana means that you can smoke marijuana. That's the largest misconception because marijuana, the medical form, cannot be smoked. So there, there is no smoking of marijuana um, in medical marijuana. It, it's, it's an ingestible. It's a cream. It's an oil. So it's not, it's not being smoked. So going back to your question about public sentiment, the, over the past 40 years, uh, Gallup polls have shown that the number of Americans that approve medical marijuana use has gone up every year. And in 2016, over 60% of adults polled favor or are not opposed to medical marijuana um, in, their, in their jurisdiction, in their, uh, in their states. And that's a dramatic change from back in 1969, that number is closer to 12%. So we've, we've come a, quite a long way. In, in a short period of time, too. Any thoughts on why? Well, that's, that's a great question. Thoughts on why? Well, I think, you know, first of all, the medical marijuana is, people that are using medical marijuana, it's really for pain. It's a, it's a pain medication. And 
If you look at the statistics right now on opioid abuse and the abuse of, of painkillers, um, it's a big problem. So if you have a, an organic, uh, natural solution in medical marijuana and cannabis, uh, I think people are realizing that that's the lesser of two evils. And also, this is a very um, interesting stat, Tony. There have been zero casualties, zero. No one has ever died from medical cannabis, medical marijuana. So you contrast that to other drugs, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, and I think it's a really good point relating it back to the opioid crisis. There's obviously something going on, and, and uh, maybe the two are related. Back to the state laws, uh, there are some misconceptions out there, um, at least I think, regarding who can buy and sell marijuana, uh, whether it can be smoked, you address that. C can, you, can you discuss those a bit more, especially the buying and selling aspect of it? No, of course. So the, the, the buying aspect. So there are, unless I miscounted, I believe there are 17 qualifying medical conditions in Pennsylvania. So it, it's not as though you can have a headache or, or a bad cold and, and get a prescription for medical marijuana. The, the conditions that you must have to qualify are the more serious ones. And I'll read off a couple from, from my list, which are um, intractable seizures, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, sickle cell anemia, glaucoma, HIV AIDS, Crohn's disease, and autism, to name a few from the list. So these are, as you can tell, the more serious conditions. So who can buy it? Well, the people who qualify with one of those conditions as prescribed by a medical professional. So it's not, again, it's not recreational. It's, it's medical and, and it's a serious medical condition. Now, as far as who can, um, you know, where, where you buy it or how that, or how, who can grow it is another good question. This is not people growing marijuana in their bathtub or in their backyard. Um, it's not people growing marijuana in, in fields, in, in, in wooded fields uh, throughout the, uh, the counties. These are very controlled environments, and it's an application process. So Pennsylvania opened up the process a few weeks ago for uh, growers and dispensers and producers. And it's a very onerous process. It's very expensive. And Pennsylvania is just now in the process here in, in the month of June of, of granting and giving licenses to uh, producers, growers, and dispensers. And we'll see a lot of that here in southeastern Pennsylvania, Tony, because the majority, they, they broke up Pennsylvania into six regions, uh, northeast, north central, northwest, southwest, south central, and southeast. And they gave out the dispensary permits. Again, th that's where you'd buy. So a dispensary is where you'd walk in and actually buy the, uh, the product. Again, ingestibles. Pills, creams, it's not leaf tobacco. No one's buying you know, a joint or, or you know, uh, buying the uh, marijuana in the store. Um, so there are dispensary permits being issued for every region of the state. And the largest number of permits will be issued here in southeastern Pennsylvania um, in the Philadelphia region. And, and that's based on population and density. They're, they're you know, naturally putting more stores like they do more Starbucks, where there are more, you know, more people. But conversely, the, the growing and producing, I'm sorry, the growing and processing permits are being allocated equally throughout each of the six regions, meaning for every, every six regions, there are only two growing processing permits being issued per region. But again, the, the dispensaries are based on population and density.
So you can't buy, let's say I was a Pennsylvania resident, I had one of those 17 medical conditions and I wanted to get medical marijuana. I must get it from one of those dispensaries in Pennsylvania. I can't like order it from another state or something like that. Well, that's a great, that's a great question, Tony, because right, right now, so the, the interstate commerce laws, you know, think back to even with alcohol, a lot of our laws prohibit certain commerce from going between state lines. At the federal level, and this is what people should not forget, marijuana as a whole is still federally illegal. At the federal level, medical marijuana is illegal. It's state by state where it's being being legalized. So to your to answer your question, can you live in Pennsylvania, cross state lines, and purchase medical marijuana and come back without breaking the law? Well, it's still a federal crime to do so. However, at the federal level, they have essentially decriminalized um, a lot of medical marijuana, I'm sorry, marijuana processing and growing, meaning the Department of Justice has been essentially told to stand down and not go after, uh, not conduct raids, not prosecute growers and dispensers and people traveling back and forth between state lines because they are essentially pulling back. The Obama administration essentially stopped funding the DOJ a couple years ago for marijuana and, and marijuana-related crimes and raids. So they're, they're essentially standing down, and that's more my term than, than a, a, a legislative term. Right. Do you expect that? To, this is a little off our topic. We'll get to community association issues just in a second. But do you expect that to remain the case? And there's a new administration, new uh, attorney general. He's indicated some changes to the way they've sort of stood down in other issues, to use your term. I think that is going to change. I, I really do. And I think with, with this new administration, a lot of things are, are, are changing. But I, I do think that the standing down and the, you know, the federal, uh, the federal level might, might be changing. But however, I think from a state standpoint, um, it's clear that the states are, are moving full speed ahead with um, enacting and passing these laws. And, and one more thing I want to point out, Tony, is you know, years ago, if you look at California, for example, they were one of the first states to legalize medical marijuana. And traditionally, when a state would legalize medical marijuana, the time period between which it would um, approve medical marijuana and then recreational, make recreational marijuana usage legal, was about 10 to 12 years. Meaning that was the, the time span it took to go from medical to recreational usage, where you now see in Colorado, um, the state of Washington and California. That time frame has been accelerated dramatically, meaning states like Pennsylvania, it would not surprise me if recreational marijuana was permitted and legalized within the next three to five years. That's interesting. Um, Pennsylvania is usually really slow to, to do anything. So I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that timeline. <laughs> exactly. Um, so community associations, obviously this could have some impacts on managers and elected uh, volunteer leaders, uh, rules and regulations. Um, obviously a homeowner can't just start growing marijuana in their backyard. Correct. But what does a community association need to know um, about this issue and how it might impact their own rules and regulations, their policies, and, and how the community association deals with this potential issue? One of the biggest questions, or one of the most frequent questions that we're asked is is about smoking, because as you know, a lot of communities, especially the high-rise uh, properties, 
do have issues with smoking and, and you know noxious odors that can emit from a unit, whether it be from cooking certain foods or from smoking cigars. So that's the first question we're asked, but I, I go back to my earlier statement. Medical marijuana is not being smoked. So it, in a community association setting, if there is a unit owner or even a tenant who is smoking marijuana in their unit, on their patio, or in a common area or common element, you'll know right away it's not medical. Because again, it's medical is not smoked. Right. So I think one of the most common situations that occurs in community associations and even apartment living is a property manager or a board member sees or gets a complaint about marijuana smoke. They approach the person and the person says, it's medical, I have a prescription, and everyone backs off and stands down because, well, it must be you know, medically approved. You know, We can't interfere with that. That's not the case. Um, I think also you'll see situations arise where people start to grow, you know, try to grow their own marijuana, thinking it's now legal to do so. And whether it be in a, in a flower box or a plot of land or somewhere in the community, that issue will also arise. And, and as far as what they can do, you know, what can a board do or a manager do, it, it gets a little tricky because when, when someone has a medical condition, the manager or the board really can't inquire what that condition is, can they, Tony? They can't, they can't ask someone, do you have a certain disease um, that runs afoul of so many privacy and, and, and HIPAA uh, compliance uh, laws. So when someone does have a, a medical condition and is ingesting or taking uh, medical marijuana, whether it be, again, by cream or by oil or by the ingestible, that's state, that's state permitted. That's not illegal. So associations cannot get involved in stopping people from using medical marijuana inside of their unit. But I think the smoking issue is the biggest, you know, the biggest red flag. If someone's smoking it, it's not medical. So assuming it does become recreational, becomes legal down the road, let's say, at that point, would it's again, it's a, it would be a state issue. Federal, we know, still illegal. So, and this is a, a um, hypothetical, obviously, but if Pennsylvania adopted recreational marijuana smoking, would a community association be able to ban that in their association? That, that's happening right now. So the states I mentioned previously, California, Colorado, Washington, they're, they're grappling with that right now because you know, one example outside of the HOA arena is in, in movie theaters. I, I, right now there's an issue where people are smoking marijuana in public places, restaurants, movie theaters where there are children or uh, pregnant women or people that just don't like marijuana smoke wafting across their nose while, you know, while eating their meal. And associations are not that different. They have people that live in close proximity, uh, whether it be a high rise or attached, attached dwellings. And, and much like smoking bans, it, it, you can't ban someone from smoking, but you can regulate you know, where on the property they smoke, um, you know, whether they can dis, you know, discharge or throw away their butts in certain places. So I think what you'll see is, again, it, it's state permitted, it's a medical condition, but I think you'll see associations try to regulate the location of where people can and can't smoke marijuana. But again, within their own unit, it's gonna be very, very hard, if not illegal, to try to ban people from smoking marijuana in their own unit, much like it is smoking a, a pipe or, or a cigar. If you had a community association client raise this issue with you, and now dealing just with medical, obviously, 
in, in their high-rise or in their homeowners association. Um, there's really no advice you, you have for them other than it's, it's not something they can regulate. Is that correct? Well, pretty much. It's like a, um, I mean, think about the, the ADA and, and reasonable accommodations. They, they, they can't ban someone from smoking. But, but again, if there are things that can be done, whether it be with ventilation or, or fans or, uh, you know, not allowing it in certain parts of the building, um, that's what you'll probably see happen with regulation and, and changes to governing documents. But as far as the ability to hold, you know, wholesale ban owners and tenants from uh, medical marijuana or even recreational, I don't see it happening, Tony, at least not here in Pennsylvania. You know, you don't foresee any issues with uh, someone who has a prescription for medical marijuana. They order from a, an approved dispensary an ingestible um, with them then distributing that, let's say, you know, to neighbors and friends or, or something like that. Is that something that, that uh, associations should be concerned with? You know what they they should, but there's real. I hate to say there's nothing they can do, but there's really nothing they can do because that that happens now. If you think about the you know the opioid crisis and and even illegal marijuana, people smoking marijuana illegally, you'll always have those people within a community that are breaking the law. You know, hopefully, not too many of them. Um, but yes, I, I can foresee a situation where uh, the medical marijuana pills and creams will be distributed or sold, you know, or resold throughout communities, just like they're sold throughout, you know, uh, uh, apartment complexes and, and other other types of communities. So that that will probably happen. But again, it's going to be hard for an association to get involved to stop that. And, and if they do have a problem, they can obviously call the police and, and get the authorities involved like any other crime. Right. I, I guess it's really basically a law enforcement issue. This has been a really interesting discussion, and clearly this is going to be an evolving topic we may want to revisit in the future, especially if the laws change and if one of our states here um, approves recreational marijuana. I think you're a bit more optimistic that Pennsylvania may do that than I am, but maybe New Jersey or Delaware first. We'll see how that happens. Hopefully this podcast is uh, informative for our listeners, uh, community association managers, and elected volunteers. For those of you who may want more information on this topic, you can find Scott's contact information on his website at www.reidenbachlaw.com. That's R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H-L-A-W.com. For more resources on this and other topics regarding the management or governance of your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.cai-padelval.org. Thanks for listening and check out our other podcasts on our website.